Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Leisure is only possible when we are at one with ourselves. We tend to overwork as a means of self-escape, as a way of trying to justify our existence. I think probably a lot of people, and especially if you are uh, living in the Western industrialized capitalist world, uh, can relate to that statement. Um, Especially here in the United States, we certainly have a culture of work, work, work. We do not really necessarily value what I would categorize as true celebration or true leisure. Um, that, that quote comes from Joseph Pieper, author of Leisure, The Basis of Culture. I have not read the book. I have listened to many podcasts about the book and read many quotes from the book, but it is high on my list and it is always cited as just this great overview of how important leisure time is and authentic celebration is to the establishment of authentic culture. So that's sort of our topic today. Um, it's a celebratory day. I'm recording this on Mardi Gras. Uh, tomorrow is the start of Lent. So traditionally today, Fat Tuesday, is the day uh, when we sort of celebrate as we go into a penitential uh, liturgical season. Um, and I have heard many, many amazing stories about how the celebration goes in New Orleans for Mardi Gras, and I know this year they have become very creative because the parades and sort of the traditional Mardi Gras celebrations have been canceled. Uh, it sounds like um, the residents, a lot of them, are making actually their houses into <laughs> into floats, like decorating them so they look like floats. So I love that uh, that creativity. Um, and also from what I understand from talking to people who are from New Orleans, uh, who have experienced uh, authentic Mardi Gras, there's sort of always two Mardi Gras celebrations going on, sort of the uh, drunken, rowdy, uh, uh, cliched version that you see, and then there's sort of a more authentic uh, celebration going on, um, drawing on a lot of local traditions and uh, much more family-oriented a lot of times. So that's an interesting um, dichotomy going on there too as we try to discover what is authentic celebration and uh, are we any good at, uh, at, at celebrating these days? Because a lot of times I think that we, we really aren't, we aren't very good at celebrating. We're, re we're really good at drinking a lot. Um, at least I know I was when I was in college. And even though we we uh, talked about, um, we had sort of a name for these outings, these midweek outings we would do, we call them like Tuesday night festivities. Um, you know, there wasn't too much uh, what I would say is authentically, uh, authentically festive about these times. It was mostly, 
interested in how much any one person could drink uh, a lifestyle I definitely do not recommend I came out of my freshman year of college with a serious ulcer a case of shingles and just an immune system that was just absolutely wrecked so <laughs> authentic celebration does not leave you um, diseased and ill okay that's that's number one to remember <laughs> so happy Mardi Gras I hope that you're celebrating today I hope maybe you have a king cake um, or pancakes uh, something fun something to something to celebrate today it's also a day of celebration at our house because our big black lab is two years old today so happy birthday to bruce very appropriate to celebrate on this uh, celebratory day so welcome to today's podcast this is episode six of born of wonder i'm katie marquette thank you so much for tuning in i've been having a lot of fun uh doing these episodes um just visiting topics that are of interest to me and hopefully are of interest to you too uh the goal here in this podcast is to focus on things that that make life good basically um beauty and literature and theology and aesthetics things that give meaning to our lives um and we are inspired by the quote of saint gregory the great we make idols of our concepts but wisdom is born of wonder so with this in mind um, today i'm going to introduce you to a celebration called burns day if you are not familiar with it um, it is traditionally celebrated on january 25th in honor of the very famous scottish poet robert burns so obviously January 25th has come and gone, but um, I have read many Scottish sources that say that you can celebrate uh, ce celebrate this supper, this Burns Day supper, anytime. Um, so if you are covered in snow like we are and looking for a reason to celebrate uh, in, this, in this sort of gloomy winter weather, I think that um, a Burns Day supper could be a great chance, uh, chance to do that. Even if in these COVID times, uh, your Burns Day supper is going to be just you and your family, uh, I think it could still be really fun. So I'm going to take us through a traditional Burns Day supper. Um, we'll learn a little bit about Robert Burns and uh, also just sort of discuss generally um, this idea of authentic celebration and how we can bring a spirit of authentic festivity and joy to our lives and how we can be on the lookout for sort of um, imitated festivity and, and avoid that ourselves. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene for you here. Um, you've uh, gotten dressed in maybe your best tartan dress or your tartan uh, kilt if you are a man and you are getting ready to celebrate Burns Supper. Uh, so maybe, and, and this is assuming this is non-COVID times, you have invited all your friends over, you've lit lots of candles on a long wooden table, uh, your friends are all chatting and sneaking early tastes of the scotch whiskey you've put out for toasts later on, and uh, maybe you know somebody uh, who knows how to play the bagpipes or the fiddle and they are entertaining you, or more likely you've got a great Spotify playlist going uh, with, with an excellent uh, variety of uh, bagpipes and drums music and you are just you are ready to celebrate Burns Supper. So if you're going to be celebrating uh, this supper you better know who Robert Burns is. He is um, Scotland's favorite poet uh, born on January 25th in 1759. 
Uh, he was the author of many, many, many uh, poems and songs uh, that have become uh, anthems and just traditional, traditional songs. I'm sure you all know Auld Lang Syne. Uh, you probably sing it every New Year's, and if you ever get past the first verse, you probably won't know what on earth he's talking about because the language becomes increasingly Scottish and increasingly hard to understand. I actually have to Google a translation of uh, of what he's saying in that in that song. <laughs> um, so uh, you definitely are familiar with with some Robert Burns poetry and songs, even if you even if you didn't know it. So uh, originally, a bunch of his friends started um, having this supper just as a way to remember him on his birthday after he died. Um, but then uh, the tradition grew very quickly thanks to the establishment of Burns Clubs and other groups devoted to preserving and celebrating uh, the contributions of Robert Burns. And these traditional burn suppers can be uh, elaborate catered affairs um, with, a, with your professional piping band there, or it can be just an informal gathering of friends at home or at a pub. Um, but they all, at least traditionally, have um, a few distinct elements. Uh, there's sort of a master of ceremonies and there is a set way that, uh, that the evening will go. So the evening will always start out with some good traditional Scottish music, either live or recorded. Um, the host will then welcome everyone and you'll recite Selkirk Grace, which was known in Robert Burns' time as Galway Grace. It's now known as Selkirk Grace because Burns is said to have delivered, uh, delivered this, this speech, this grace, at a dinner given by the Earl of Selkirk. Um, and you're going to have to forgive my... <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do an accent, but I will use the traditional pronunciation here. And the grace is some high meat and canna eat and some wad eat that want it. And we have meat and we can eat and say the Lord be thank it. So basically, there's some people who want food. They don't have it, but we want food and we have it. So thank you, God. <laughs> Selkirk grace in a nutshell. And then you've said grace, and uh, so the first course will be a soup course, um, probably something properly Scottish, like a Scotch broth, which normally consists of barley, uh, braised lamb, root vegetables, that sort of thing. Or you can have some fun uh, kakaliki soup, um, which is leeks and peppered chicken stock, uh, sometimes with rice or barley. And then after you have your soup, you're ready for the main course, and I bet you can guess what it is. It's haggis, of course, the national dish of Scotland. Um, it's a type of pudding. Uh, the way Brits and Scots use the term pudding always is sort of off-putting to me. But yes, a pudding, quote-unquote, composed of the liver, heart, and lungs of a sheep, minced and mixed with beef or mutton, and oatmeal and seasoned with onion, cayenne pepper, and other spices. And if that doesn't sound delicious enough, you then pack it into a sheep's stomach and boil it. So <laughs> maybe this doesn't sound like your idea of a savory main course, but, um, <laughs> and even though you might upset Robert Burns in his grave, I won't tell anyone if you substitute some roast beef or something in for your Burns Day supper. <laughs> I've been to Scotland many times, love Scotland, everybody knows it's my favorite place in the world, but I have never tried haggis. I'm not against it, I just have, I've never sought it out, let's put it that way. Um, and so uh, now, uh, now that the haggis uh, is going to be brought in, uh, someone will recite um, Burns' poem, Address to a Haggis. It's a very, very long poem. Um, I'll just read you, uh, again, you gotta pr forgive my pronunciation, but uh, 
here, here's just a stanza. Uh, this is the first stanza of address to a haggis. Fair fa your honest sonsy face, great chieftain o' the puddin' race, aboon them ah ye talk your place, punch, tripe, or thairn, weel are ye wordy o' a grace, as long's my arm. I don't know exactly what that's saying, but that's the start of start of address to a haggis, and then it keeps going, and there's a great line um, that goes in, cut you up with ready slicked. And at that line, um, somebody's going to stab enthusiastically into the haggis and start cutting it up for everybody. So, um, <laughs> so now you're ready to have your haggis uh, all set up before you. And now you can start toasting and you might maybe want some whiskey to give you a little liquid courage to try this haggis. So um, hopefully you've had some bread with your soup so that the, uh, the, the water of life here, scotch whiskey, is not going to be too harsh. Um, and uh, the first toast is always in honor of the haggis you're about to eat. And then um, you'll just keep drinking as you, as, you eat your, as you eat your haggis. And then it's time for coffee and dessert. Uh, recommendation is uh, something called a tipsy layered trifle, which sounds very good and is made with whiskey as well. Uh, and then it's time for more speeches and toasts. Um, to see, you can see how Scottish this is, just lots of, you know, joyful drinking and toasting. So I'm all about this. Um, and normally at this point you will be, have a recitation or of a song or a poem by Burns and you'll be toasting to his memory. Um, and even though it's his most famous and maybe by now it might seem a little cliche, uh, something like A Red Red Rose uh, is a beautiful poem by Robert Burns. Maybe at that point you would have a recitation of, of something like that. And then, <laughs> I love this part of the celebration, um, it's time for the address to the lassies which is a short speech that's usually perform, uh, prepared beforehand um, that's given by a male guest detailing his views on women. So <laughs> uh, I'm sure that will be a good time after you've had a little bit of scotch, but it's meant to be amusing and not offensive. And if there are a few jabs, don't worry because uh, the lassies have a turn to respond. So then it's the reply to the laddies uh, with a female guest expounding on her views on men. So um, cheers for all that, cilantro for all that. Um, and then there is more poetry and hopefully some musical performances. Maybe some of your guests are musical. You'll have a jam session or something and more performing of Robert Burns songs like uh, I Fond Kiss or A Man's a Man for All That, something something classic Robert Burns. A lot of these are on YouTube. Um, I'll put links in the show notes. And if you listen to last week's episode, you got to hear a Robert Burns song at the end of that episode. So a lot of these songs are just lovely. So that will round out your, your evening of toasting. And uh, with that, maybe you will have your bagpipers uh, pipe everyone out and that will be the end of your, of your Burns Day supper. So I just, when I looked up the, just the details of what a Burns Day supper <laughs> consists of, I just found it so charming and so lovely and definitely an example of a real celebration. Um, a spirit of serious levity, which might sound like an oxymoron, but I think sometimes we just, we don't take our parties seriously enough. You know, we don't take our celebrations seriously enough. Um, because we have to believe that they are good and important because life is good and, and important. Um, so maybe the, uh, the tourist version of Mardi Gras or those uh, college outings I mentioned, they quickly lose their source of meaning uh, in my mind. Uh, becoming just sort of focused solely on drinking, um, marked by destruction, chaos, forgetfulness, and 
speaking from my own experience, a lot of times the goal of many of these social gatherings is to forget life, not to celebrate it. And I think that that can be such a mark of what makes an authentic celebration or not. Um, and I wonder if as we become more pessimistic and um, nihilistic society, if we can truly celebrate, if we no longer believe life is inherently good or worthwhile. Um, because there's something about these celebrations we need to believe that life is good in order to truly celebrate them. And here's another Joseph Pieper quote, this time from his book, In Tune with the World, A Theory of Festivity, that I think speaks very well to this. Um, he writes, on what grounds does a specific event become the occasion of our festival and celebration? Can we festively celebrate the birth of a child if we hold with Jean-Paul Sartre that it is absurd that we are born? Anyone who is seriously convinced that our whole existence is something that would be better not being, and that consequently life is not worth living, can no more celebrate the birth of his child than any other birthday. I think something also to keep in mind here, um, this great G.K. Chesterton quote about um, wise alcohol consumption. If you're familiar with G.K. Chesterton, um, he's just a brilliantly funny, intelligent man, um, best known now for being sort of a Catholic apologist, but he wrote on many, many t different topics, um, uh, politics and art and uh, he was a journalist and um, but was sort of this large rotund man definitely enjoyed his pints definitely enjoyed uh, a big dinner um, and just a jovial man but what he said about drinking he said drink because you are happy but never because you are miserable never drink when you are wretched without it or you will be like the gray-faced gin drinker in the slum but drink when you would be happy without it and you will be like the laughing peasant of italy so alcohol as we use it a lot of times is sort of like a numbing agent maybe we use it because we feel awkward or um or we're just trying to forget or you say oh my gosh i've had a really stressful day i just need a giant glass of wine or something like that um not that i think that that's necessarily a terrible thing <laughs> all the time but in general sort of a spirit of um happiness should should accompany uh festivity including drinking so, and also, again, sort of um, maybe sounds a little oxymoronic, but a spirit of festivity also requires a willingness to rest. We need to, in order to have uh, genuine activity, we need genuine rest, uh, something that I think that we have a very hard time doing in Western society. And we don't, we you know, we don't even have a concept of siesta or any, there's no concept built into our day um, that says that rest is good and important. And as any sort of stressed out host or hostess knows, um, if celebrations simply become another occasion for stress, as we overwork ourselves with preparations and anxiety, we have already lost the essential element of leisure in our festivities. So again, we are kind of missing the point. So I love this tradition of Burns Day. Um, I didn't celebrate it this year. Uh, you know, I'm pregnant, so I'm really going to be missing out on that scotch. So maybe after the baby is born, um, we'll have like a midsummer Burns Day celebration or something. Um, and certainly next year. Um, I think that this is just a wonderful tradition, especially with my love of Scotland. Of course, I love this. But maybe Mardi Gras is more your thing, or maybe just a authentic birthday celebration or um, any authentic celebration uh, liturgically or otherwise, or 
just a chance to um, get together with your your friends, ho hopefully someday soon, and family, and just say, you know, life is very good and we should uh, take time, that it's important that we take time in our lives to celebrate that fact. So I hope you've enjoyed um, being taken through a Burns Day supper. I hope you plan one for yourself. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that it's important, very, very important in our life that is constantly busy, a lot of us constantly working that we take this need for leisure this need for authentic festivity very seriously um so maybe you're listening to this uh at a later date and we're already in the midst of lent uh in which case i think that it's important to realize that lent um there is no lent without easter so um even a penitential season or quieter season you know there's no winter without spring everything is about balance and uh, right now, I think uh, looking outside at this very gloomy, snowy scene with more snow coming, more snow and ice coming, I'm thinking that I'm going to appreciate spring more than ever um, because of this, uh, I guess, penitential season that I'm in right now. So um, remember to balance your festivity, uh, festivity so that we appreciate it, um, but certainly make time for it. Make time for those joyful celebrations with your friends and family. So my, um, my recommendation this week is, uh, is a poem, uh, but also a song. Uh, I'm sure you know this poem. It's called The Highwayman. It's very famous by Alfred Noyes. And it's just an amazing classic ballad with a really good riveting story. Um, maybe if you love Anne of Green Gables, you remember that this is the poem that Anne recites uh, so, so passionately and dramatically. Uh, I remember myself, I think this is a poem that people used to memorize a lot. I remember my grandmother, she was probably, I think, like 99 at this point. And at one dinner, she decided to re recite The Highwayman for us. And she still remembered it from when she was in elementary school, which was, you know, 80 something years ago, 90 years ago. And she still remembered this poem. So a little, little plug there for the power of memorization too. How wonderful to be able to pull that out at any time. And she just dramatically recited this poem, The Highwayman. And at this part where they say he got shot like a dog, he was shot like a dog. She just said he was shot like a dog and <laughs> dramatically sort of fell in her chair. So I have very fond memories of that. But I will put a link to the poem. You should read it. Read it out loud for sure. Um, and then there's this great, um, great song, musical rendition of it by uh, Lorena McKennett, which I'm going to play out to end this episode. That is uh, really beautiful and really fun and a good way to memorize the poem. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, I hope you get to celebrate Mardi Gras and uh, that you have a good and productive Lent as well. And as always, I just want to say thank you so much to those of you who have left reviews, who have left a star rating or a comment. It means so much to me. It means so much to the podcast as far as getting the word out about it. Um, any shares you do of this podcast, so appreciated. Uh, thank you so much for the feedback. And you can find me online at bornofwonder.com. You can read my blog posts there. You can follow up with my other audio work. And there's a contact page there. If you have any questions or feedback, I would love to hear from you. So... Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Katie Marquette, and you've been listening to Born of Wonder. Wind was a torrent of darkness among the ghastly trees. The moon was a ghostly galleon tossed upon
ribbon of moonlight over the purple pool. And the highwayman came riding, riding, riding. The highwayman came riding up to the olden door. He had a French cocked hat on his forehead, a bunch of lace on his chin, a coat of claret velvet, and breeches of brown doe skin. They fitted with never a wrinkle, his boots were up to the thigh. And he rode with a jewel twinkle, his pistol buds a twinkle, his rapier hilt a twinkle under the jeweled sky. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. 